We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. No Jack Manuel again. Still traveling back to Australia, but great special guest, Will Jackson. Will, how are we doing? Not great, Nick. What about you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I was at Game 3 last night. The Nets are now down 2-1 to Philadelphia. Lost last night, 131-115. Not a great performance. Before we dive in, though, quick reminder, check us out. iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and YouTube. But, Will... In a game that Joel Embiid didn't even play, what were your thoughts on the Nets' performance? Uh, I mean, we just didn't get anything going. And, I mean, especially on the defensive side, just Philadelphia. Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, and Ben Simmons just dominated the entire game. And basically, I mean, we tried to come back a couple times in the game, but every time we tried to make a comeback, they just kept hitting more threes, and we just never got back into it. Yeah, I thought defense was a huge factor in this game. Obviously, you allow a team to shoot 47% from the field, 40% from three. Uh, you're not going to win many games. Also, rebounding again, out-rebounded 54-43. to 43. You know, there were some questionable um, coaching decisions by Kenny in terms of rotations, different lineups he threw out there. And then on the Nets' hand, you know, not knocking down your three-point shots, 8-39, to 39, shooting 20%. You know, you're not going to win many games, especially for a team like the Nets that relies so much on a three-point shot. Yeah, and especially someone like Joe Harris struggling, went 0-4 from 3. Kuroks went 0-3. I mean, Dudley went 0-2, had that air ball towards the end of the game. I mean, just we're so reliant on that outside shot, especially because we're not like – I mean, we have um, Dinwiddie and Levert who are strong inside, but the rest of our team is pretty much reliant on the outside shot, and we just weren't hitting it all night, and we just weren't able to just keep up with Philadelphia and their elite scorers on the other side. 
Yeah, I think when you play a team like Philadelphia, and we mentioned Joel Embiid not being there, so they played a little bit differently. They got different guys involved, and overall the defense on the perimeter wasn't great. The inside defense wasn't great. I felt like the Nets were getting lost off ball. You mentioned Joe Harris. He had a really hard time covering J.J. Redick around screens. He ended up getting hot starting the game, and that just carried on, and every time the Nets were making a run, he knocked down a three-point shot. And then it just felt like the Nets almost forgot about Tobias Harris at the three-point line, six to six, and a lot of those were good looks. And then after he got some contested looks later in the game he already built up that confidence so it was like Tobias Harris really bounced back in this game with 29 points and the Nets just didn't do a good job defending him and then we mentioned Ben Simmons you know 31 11 to 13 9 of 11 from the free throw line nine assists he was dominant in this game yeah he heard Jared Dudley's comments and just <laughs> mo- it motivated him to go off I mean it's kind of unfair that he's a 6-10 point guard because he can just get anything he wants on like a hook layup inside but you mentioned Tobias Harris, man. I mean, he was just hitting every shot, like contested or not. He was just on fire all night. And that's the thing about Philadelphia is that one night, you know, Jimmy Butler will be on. And if he's off, they can go to Tobias Harris. And if he's off, they can go to Simmons. If he's off, they can go to Reddick. I mean, it's just insane that you have to keep up with all these guys who can score so much at a really high rate. And the Nets just didn't have it last night. I think when you face a team like that with so many weapons and so many guys who have crucial areas where they can attack, you know, you look at a guy like Ben Simmons, you brought it up. When he gets inside, he's dominant. When he's outside, he's not really having much of an impact on the game. You know, J.J. Redick, he's looking to attack on the perimeter. You know, maybe some mid-range shots, not really looking to go to the rim. Tobias Harris can pretty much score from all over, but he's not super aggressive unless you start to give him open shots, what the Nets were doing. So it's like your defense has to be perfect and your communication has to be on point. There was a couple situations where the Nets just did not communicate well, and it was just like lackadaisical defense. It's like J.J. Reddick's coming off that screen. You see your guys getting caught on the screen. You need to react, especially if you just knock down two or three threes, and this game can get out of hand. I felt like the communication and the reaction from the Nets' defense was really poor. Yeah, you mentioned communication on uh, defense, but also on offense. 15 turnovers and only 12 assists this game really stood out to me. Um, we weren't just we just weren't dishing the ball. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, like towards the end of the season, had a lot of ten assist games, but I mean tonight, it just it felt like he was kind of forcing to put the ball up a lot. He had twenty seven shots. Robert had seventeen. I mean, it just felt like we weren't really passing the ball like we normally do. We weren't making the extra pass and just taking a forced shot. And I feel like that just played a huge part into us not getting it going. Yeah, I think the offense was not in rhythm, and it hasn't been probably for the last two games. Game one, you saw some of that. But the Nets probably aren't doing a good enough job of setting screens off-ball to open up guys. The off-ball movement isn't consistent enough. And I think the lineups are throwing out there aren't great, where D'Angelo is getting a lot of pressure, where he's seeing a lot of attention, where he can't necessarily make the passes he needs to make, or they're relying on him so much to score where he can't be that creator. So I think that gets into really the lineup changes. And also, you know, offensively, the turnovers you mentioned, but the three-point shooting, you know, if you want to win the game, you're going to have to shoot at least 35% from three. And I thought there was a lot of open looks that they missed. It wasn't just like, hey, Philly's playing great defense. No, it's some looks that the Nets just need to hit in a playoff game. Yeah, we missed 31 threes tonight. <laughs> that's just not a, lot. a recipe for success. Um, that's a lot, like you said. Um, we just couldn't get it going. And something that we've been missing the last two days is uh, Ed Davis. And I'm assuming that he only played 10 minutes again because of his ankle. And, I mean, the Nets are really missing him inside. I mean, we've seen it. Like, Jared Allen filled in tonight, and he actually had a really decent game, 15 points, 4 or 5 from the field, uh, 7 and 9 from the line. But, I mean, he can't play, you know, 30 minutes a game. That's just not the type of player he is right now. And the Nets are really missing Ed Davis's like, interior presence. Like you mentioned before, we were really struggling, like, with rebounding. And that's obviously something that Ed Davis specializes in. And – 
just didn't show up for the Nets tonight. We really missed him. Yeah, I, I don't even know at this point if it's Ed's ankle or if he's just not playing because Kenny's electing to go small to match with them. But I think it was a mistake not to play Jared Allen and Ed Davis more minutes just because you're reacting to Philly, but you have two guys that are playing well. Ed Davis does a great job not only rebounding, like you mentioned, but inside having that presence, but also setting screens to get guys like Joe Harris open or get D'Lo some space or doing it. He's one of the physical guys on the Nets offense and setting screens, so they really need him out there. And I thought Jared Allen, like, he deserved more minutes. He played 21 minutes. He could have easily played 20. I think Kenny a little bit went to that small ball where he could have kept Jared Allen in there where he's quick enough to match up with some of these guys and he's the only guy that can really impact uh, Ben Simmons at the rim and you know none of the other Nets maybe Ed Davis are impacting Ben Simmons at the rim and if he's beating your guys one-on-one off the ball on the dribble then you need to have someone down there that can protect the rim a little bit yeah Ben Simmons went 11 to 13 uh, from the field tonight and just like the way that he shoots, the way that he moves his hand up and over the defender. I mean, it's just like Jared Allen can't get that. You know, D'Angelo Russell, when he's on him, he can't get there. And, like, Ed Davis, like you said, he's the one guy. Like, when Ben Simmons struggled game one, that was the day that Ed Davis played the most amount of minutes, and we saw the impact that he had. So it's going to be really important, even, you know, if Embiid is out there or not, if they're going small or not, Ed Davis, or Jared Allen for that matter, because he wasn't bad last night, need to be on the court for the Nets. Yeah, I think you could, there's small ball in certain situations where it works, but if you're consistently getting beat you know, on the dribble by a guy like Ben Simmons, he's getting to the rim and he's getting in the paint and knocking down layups, you need someone in there to really step up and create some type of presence that's going to impact them. And also on the defensive end of the ball, I thought there was just too many situations where guys just weren't disrupting enough. The only guy who really had a major impact defensively was Karis LeVert, and you could just feel him out there with two steals. He was just in the passing lanes, poking his hands in there. Dude, Karis is back. I mean, I just... I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him, like, the last month even. Not even, like, this playoff series. For the last month, it feels like he's been back to what he's been doing offensively and defensively in the first 10 games of the season. And, I mean, it's huge for the Nets. And I know a lot of people were complaining that uh, he wasn't playing enough. But, um, no, I mean, when he got it going in that second quarter and it just gave the Nets so much life, he's just such an important uh, part to this team offensively and defensively in the lane. From the perimeter, he's hitting his shots. He's, you know, making those floaters again. I mean, if the Nets are going to win the series, he's going to need to play a lot, and he's going to need to keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, I agreed. And uh, coming from one of our friends of the show, Corey Waldron, has been on here a couple times. Why did Karis LeVert stay on the bench so long to start the third quarter? I thought overall, Karis LeVert should have played way more minutes. He probably should have played in the high 30s at least. He was clearly the Nets' best player offensively and defensively. And when Kenny took him out in the second quarter when he was hot, I felt like that was a big mistake because the Nets had just tied the game. He was hot. Philly wasn't able to really defend him. Even if he was a little gassed out, I think his presence out there is just somebody you really need because you don't have to hide him defensively. He's actually having a positive impact on the end of the floor. And I really felt like he should have started that third quarter. Like, I think that would have really benefited the Nets, would have made D'Angelo's life easier, and it would have gave them some energy on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, to answer Corey's question, uh, I don't know why he didn't play more in that uh, third quarter. Um you know, uh, I talked about it a little bit, but, you know, D'Angelo Russell really benefits from having Lavert and or Dinwiddie on the court with him. And, I mean, the Nets just weren't putting out, you know, solid lineups throughout the game. I mean, they were trying, like, some really weird lineups that weren't working. Karis Lavert needs to be on the floor, especially with someone like D'Angelo Russell who can hit the outside shot and someone like Lavert who can, you know, ball handle and do a little both from the outside and the inside. And that's really just missed out in the third quarter, and that's kind of went when Philly went on that run. But, like, later in the third quarter, when uh, when Levert checked back in, the Nets really, like, went on a run to, like, cut it close at the end of that third quarter, and you saw the impact that he made. 
It's the Nets do not have enough talent on their team to really say, hey, we're going to have Karis Levert come off the bench. He's clearly been your best player in the series. You need to play him more minutes. You need to have him more involved because he's having a positive impact in the game. You know, one of the only Nets to have a positive plus minus. We don't live or die by plus minus, but I felt like you could clearly see that. And like you said, third quarter, the Nets got down big. Karis came back. They make that run. I think he's a guy you just need out there and you need to play in big minutes. I know Kenny doesn't like to do that. He's coming off a substantial injury, but at this point of the year, I think he needs at least 35 plus if not closer to 40 do you think i was talking to some nets fans about this on twitter do you think that uh he should start yes i 100 think, i think he should start the rest of the series I would, Brooks? I would take out rodeons um and i would i would be okay with pretty much subbing out anybody for Karis because he's been that much better than everybody else yeah see, than d'angelo i would keep d'angelo and jared allen right. obviously but the other three like i think there's joe harris really? i would i would consider doing over joe harris if he's not tell that to jack <laughs> i will tell the jack but if joe harris can't defend anybody out there now you have d'angelo and joe harris and neither guy can defend anybody you put yourself in a really bad position the only thing that i like about Krug starting is that he's six nine and especially against a team like philadelphia where they're so big on the inside simmons is six ten joel Embiid is six eleven boban is seven three i think seven four and, and Karis LeVert is, I think, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, we just need a little bit more length than Karuks provides that. Obviously, he's not doing anything near what LeVert does defensively and offensively. But just having a little bit of a bigger presence there helps a little bit. But no, I'm definitely a little bit for Karis LeVert starting the rest of the series. I think there's an argument for every guy. There's also an argument against it, too. You know, you look at Rodion's, you mentioned the length. You could argue maybe he's done a solid job on Ben Simmons compared to some of the other guys. And he actually can get up for some rebounds. But... You, you know, you don't sub him out, and now you're taking out Damari. He's the only veteran presence you have in the starting lineup in a playoff series, which is crucial, and he just does those little things. Then you make the argument for Joe. Joe's the elite, you know, spacer on the team, can knock down a three ball. He's gaining attention from Philly's defense, but defensively he's really having issues. So it's kind of like pick your poison, but I think Kenny just has to pick his poison and start, you know, arguably his best player, or at least for sure his best two-way player. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that, um, just because Levert – is doing everything that he can to keep the Nets in this series. I mean, if we didn't have him tonight, I mean, I just would have given up and turned it off at the second half. He had 19, I believe, at the half. And the fact is that he only finished with 26. He's not getting enough shots or enough opportunities. And it wasn't like Philly really played him any different defensively. And I thought he actually did a solid job of, like, getting some passes out when he was getting double teams in the paint, too. Yeah, he shot 58%, so it's not like he's missing a lot of shots. He's making his shots. And he's just providing so much to this team. Um, just the way that he's able to drive and, like, float it up over some of their bigger players is something that not a lot of you – like, towards the end of the fourth quarter, D'Angelo Russell started hitting some of those horse shots that we've seen him hit, but he wasn't getting it going early on. So it's important that Levert was there to make those shots. And, like, the thing about Levert is that he's a ball handler, so he can play the point guard if we need him to. And, I mean, I think that's something that Kenny Atkinson – just doesn't like going to. I think uh, he trusts D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie to do that. But, I mean, at some point, you got to consider letting Russell play off ball and having LeVert just run the floor. Especially when they're sending so much attention to D'Angelo when he has the ball. It might be easier to get some more opportunities off ball. I think you definitely have to see D'Angelo Karras LeVert duo in the next game to start. And they have to play big minutes. And, hey, D'Angelo has a bad game playing big minutes with Spencer. I don't really care. Like we've talked about for the last month of the season, we talked about in the first couple games, two out of three of these Nets guards have to play well for them to win. And you have to find that combination. 
think D'Angelo is probably a little bit better than Spencer, where, hey, Spencer's not playing great. Maybe we play D'Angelo and Levert more minutes. Or, hey, Levert's not playing great tonight. We play D'Angelo and Dinwiddie a little bit more. Whatever it is, I think Kenny needs to be react a little bit more than what's going on instead of having these set rotations, these set minutes that he's going with. Yeah, and Dinwiddie has like been struggling the last couple of games, five of thirteen, and it's weird because he usually does really well against Philadelphia. We saw him the regular season. I mean, he had that insane thirty-nine point game, and he just hasn't been able to get it going. You know, he's not hitting the shots that he usually hits. You know, those like semi-contested threes. He's just not hitting them like he normally does. He went one of four from three last night, um, and it's going to be important for the Nets, especially because he plays downhill ball, and that's something that Philly doesn't do well against it's going to be important for the Nets to get him going like he said we need two of the three of them to like do well and he's definitely like one of the guys that like we need him to be one of those two players doing well because he has a history of doing well against the Sixers yeah I felt like he was a little bit more timid yesterday attacking the rim instead of trying to create the body contact he was looking to go away away from it and get some of the softer fouls where it's the playoffs you kind of got to attack inside I didn't think the officiating was great I was hoping it'd be a little bit better back in Brooklyn definitely heard from the crowd on that aspect especially with the technical fouls but overall one of the, one of these guards is going to step up if Levert can stay at this level that's great and he gets in the starting lineup but it's going to have to be D'Angelo or Dinwiddie and D'Angelo's had his good moments but the problem is it's not throughout the whole game. It's like a stretch of the third quarter or the fourth quarter. Yeah. Another player that we should talk about, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson played 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. Do you think that he played a little too much last night towards the end of the game? Um, I I don't mind if Rondé plays, but I'm not in love with playing small ball against the Philadelphia team because I think they play better small ball than you do because they have just guys that they can interchange and they're going to cause more problems defensively where you need the rim protector against this team. And if you don't have Ed Davis or Jared Allen out there, Rondé can't do that. He's not blocking shots. You know, he's six seven, super athletic, but it's not like he's going to have the same impact one of those centers is going to have. Yeah, and especially after uh, Boban fouled out, they went, like, with uh, Mike Scott playing the five. And that's just something that the Nets really struggled with. Um, not, I mean, it's weird because the Nets usually struggle against big men. But when Philadelphia went with that small ball lineup without Monroe or Boban on the court, the Nets just really struggled. But yeah, Mon- when Monroe was out there, the Nets did a great job attacking him. He wasn't very good for them. He did set a couple good screens. But overall, I think with that small ball, I think Kenny has to have more confidence than Jared Allen. Like, Jared Allen, can, Mike Scott's not a super athlete. Yeah, he's going to spread the floor a little bit more. But I think you have to have a little bit more confidence in Allen being out there. Or even if you really want to get creative, you did this against Giannis, put Jared Allen on Ben Simmons if they want to go to small ball. You know, he's not going to force him outside. He's going to be able to hang around the paint and do what he usually does against centers that can't shoot threes. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in favor of trying Allen against Simmons just because Simmons doesn't have an outside shot at all. Um, and Jared Allen is seven foot, so he's kind of one of the only guys who can really match up well against Simmons in this series. I don't think Kenny will try that. I mean, he obviously likes to stick with the zone, and we saw a little bit of switching between men and zone last night. The zone was terrible. Uh, all our defense was terrible, but yeah, especially the zone. Just uh, Redick was destroying it. Tobias Harris was destroying it. Ben Simmons was just getting everything inside. Um no, I mean, I'd love to see that. I just don't think that it, it will happen. Yeah, and I don't think Philly's really going to play a ton of small ball unless Embiid misses another game in the series. I think last night was the opportunity to do that, and I think Brett Brown did a better job of kind of outcoaching Kenny last night. Some of that probably was the surprise of Embiid not playing, but the Nets need to do a better job reacting. And Let's just talk about the zone a little bit. 
and the overall defense. And we talked about the defense not being great and the zone not being great. I think the number one thing you're trying to do in the playoffs and in general is disrupt the other team's offensive flow. And when you play a zone defense, you're pretty much giving them open looks because the ball is going to move faster than the players and they're eventually going to find something. So it's not making life difficult for them. And then in terms of just a regular man-to-man defense, I think they have to look to switching in some situations where they haven't. You know, if you have Trevion Graham on uh, Ben Simmons and Damari Carroll and Jimmy Butler, they're running a pick and roll switch. You're about the same height players. You know, if it's Joel Embiid or Boban, maybe you got to think about it twice. But a lot of guys are around the same size, so you're defending him on different positions. No reason not to switch. All you're doing is disrupting Philly's def- offense, and now they have to take a second or two to react to what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, defense is definitely one of the things that we need to work on the most. Um, I mean, there's just nothing that we can do now. The game already happened. But like you said, you know, the ball is moving faster. Eventually, they're going to get open shots, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, J.J. Redick went 5-9 and nine from 3. Ben Simmons went – I mean, not Ben Simmons. Uh, Tobias Harris went 6-6. Six six. I mean, just – I mean, Philadelphia had really great ball movement last night, and it just, like, really, like, tore a hole in this Nets defense, and it showed big time. Yeah, they just really, like we've talked about the entire show, it was communication, it was reaction and reactions, and then also physicality. I just felt like on some of the screens, they got caught way too hard. You got to run through the screen, force the ref to make a call. If defense, offense, whatever it may be, make sure they feel you when they're throwing those big screens at you because then the refs have to make a call. So I think overall, the Nets just need to pick up the physicality, pick up the intensity and the communication. Yeah, and then there were some times last night when the Nets were being physical but not on offense, but not getting a lot of calls. And, I mean, that's something the Nets Twitter will always complain about, not getting enough calls. No, and it's true. There was definitely calls that should have went the opposite way, and they didn't. And I think some of that's just the growing pains of a young team going against a star-studded team in Philadelphia who has the big names. There's one play that stuck out where Jimmy Butler, you know, like flopped after a jump shot. Like, if they're calling that, then there's about 10 calls they miss on the other end. And I thought the text. You know, you, you don't really see a ton of Nets games where multiple people get teed up. I think Kenny was teed up and Spencer was teed up. You know, Spencer's not really a surprise, but Kenny usually only gets teed up if the officiating's really bad. And I felt at moments in the game, they're just, it was not consistent. And one play I know that pissed off the Nets was J.J. Reddick grabbed Jared Dudley's arm as he was going for a three, and he ended up getting three free throws. Yeah, I mean, that's just something, like I told you, I didn't think that the officiating would get better even if the Nets are home. And, I mean, it didn't. And, I mean, that's something that really affects the game because it's something that, like, you know, free throws are something that we've been actually pretty decent at. One of the best in the league this year. Yeah. And we shot 82% last night. I mean, we were doing a good job, like, when we got to the line. I mean, Joe Harris went 4-4, Jared Allen went 7-9. I mean, it's like it's something that when we get there, we'll capitalize on those opportunities. But it's just we weren't getting there enough, and especially when there were times where we felt like we probably should have gotten there. And I felt like a lot showed. of the free throws, this happened in game two as well. The free throws came when it didn't matter. Yeah. Where, like, in the beginning of the first half, they needed more foul calls, but then they started getting the foul calls when Philly was already up 10 or 15 and their offense was really clicking. So, overall, I just think, you know, the, the officiating wasn't consistent throughout the whole game. So, I mean, that's going to happen. Like I said, being a young team, that's a growing pain you're going to have to deal with. Hopefully it's better in game four. Now, moving on to another player, anybody else you want the spotlight? Um, I mean, Jared Dudley was talking a lot, um, like we know on, on social media, said that stuff about uh, Ben Simmons and didn't have a great game. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I think we pretty much talked about everyone on this team that played. Yeah, I think uh, talking Dudley and Rodion's and Trevion Graham, 
you need more production there. You got three points from those three guys. You know, they're going to play minutes. They're going to have to put up some type of points, some type of contribution. And even Damari didn't necessarily have his best shooting game. He hit, I think, two threes early in the game. And then after that, you really didn't necessarily feel him offensively. Yeah, that were, those were his only points. He only had six points, and those were the two threes that he had early. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about the veterans on this team all the time and how they're so valuable. And, I mean, we need that to um, keep up. I mean, we can't just have Jared Dudley play 16 minutes and not do anything. We can't have DeMar Carroll go two for eight. We can't have, you know, Trayvon Graham play 11 minutes and just not have anything on the stat line except 0 for 1 from the field. I mean, these guys need to get more shots up. They need to hit consistently. Uh, it's just a lot went wrong for the Nets last night, and that certainly didn't help. Yeah, it, honestly, it just needs, they just need to be better. Now getting to a couple questions from some uh, listeners and one from Jack. We'll start with Jack. How do the Nets go about stopping a newly motivated Ben Simmons? Uh, he's a 6'10 point guard. It's very hard to defend him. I think one of the ways that we talked about it earlier that I don't necessarily think will happen is putting Jared Allen on him. But other than that, I mean, just he's such a monster inside. Like I said, he's 6'10", and he plays the point guard position. He's just – he'll get anything that he puts up inside. So the Nets have to do a really good job contesting him inside and, like, playing a really tight defense on him. Otherwise, if you leave him just, like, an inch of space, he'll just get a shot up and he'll go in. So, I mean, like, one thing the Nets have to do is, like, force him to take a contested shot or force him to pass it up to someone else because if not, he's just going to have another night where uh, he shoots uh, 84%. Yeah, no, they got to do a better job of defending him. I think some of it is the double teams worked when he was in the paint. He didn't react well. It's, you know, Karis LeVert got a couple steals in there or poking at the ball. When you let him get to the restricted area or even down towards the block, he's automatic, especially if he has any type of height or athletic advantage on his defender. He's going to knock down the shot or bank it off the backboard, whatever it may be. I thought Rodion's did an okay job, but Billy's done this since game two, and they've set a lot of inside picks. You know, it's either the center setting a pick, J.J. Reddick's and they're setting picks, screening off Jared Allen so he can't get open. I think some of it has to be switching. Some of it just has to be reaction from the rest of the team in communication. And we talk about defense a lot. I think when the Nets are playing at their best, you know, obviously, hopefully on-ball defense is good. But at some points, it's not going to be because of pick and rolls and screens out there. It's when the team's reacting, they're running all over the floor, communicating, helping each other out, and picking up rotations. Yeah, he's just so good inside. And like you said, the um, inside screens, that's just something that the Nets really struggle with, especially with, like, Jared Allen has trouble picking those up. I mean, um, he, that's... He's weighed by, like, 50 to 100, depending on which guy's screening him, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's so light. And that's something that we really miss with Ed Davis because, you know, Ed Davis is a lot more physical. Um, he's just someone who's a little bit of a better rim protector. And, or not a better rim protector, but he's definitely, like, Bigger presence in the paint. Bigger presence inside yeah, and in the game. In there, and they just can't move Ed as easy as they can move Jared Allen. Yeah, and that's just something that's really messed with him. So, I mean, hopefully his ankle is fine. Um, hopefully it's just an ankle injury and Kenny's not just uh, benching him because he doesn't think that the rotation is working. I mean, I just hope for Kenny's sake that that's the case. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they adjust in game four, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Another uh, question from OGG guy, uh, Nick Cuvallo. Who's going to step up alongside Karras and Russell in the scoring column? You know, I'd love to say Dinwiddie, but I feel like that's a cop-out because, I mean, obviously the Nets are better when he steps up. But, I mean, I, I really think we need someone from, like, the forward play to step up, not, like, necessarily a guard because Russell and LaVert will obviously score. So I want to go with someone like Damari Carroll or Rodion Skurruks. really need to, like, get it going because we've seen, like, when Rodion can score, he can really, like, do well inside. He can get to the line. 
I mean, sometimes he'll even hit the outside shot consistently. And that's something that, like, he really needs to step up and do. And I know he's a rookie, and this is obviously his first time in the playoffs, like many other players on the Nets. But, I mean, that's something that he really needs to step up with on the offensive side. I mean, he can't go one for five and oh for three from three. And then also, Damari Carroll is someone that, I mean, we kind of bank on to hit a few of those threes that he took last night and hit them. And then also just inside, I mean, he's pretty much like a solid veteran who's good at passing the ball as well as like scoring from outside. He's someone that we really need to rely on later in the game. Like earlier in the season when we played the, that triple overtime game, he's one of those guys that really stepped up late in the overtime periods. And I mean, that's something that we need him to do again. Yeah, I, th- I like your Damari pick. I think he's a guy that can step up. Not only a three-point shot, but we saw it a little bit in game one and game two. Driving inside, trying to get some free throws, being a little bit more active. You just didn't quite feel him as much out there yesterday. And then also, uh, you mentioned Rodion's. I'm going to go with Joe Harris. I think Joe Harris has to find a way to get going. You know, Philadelphia's done a great job of really sticking to him on the perimeter. But it's on him and on the Nets to find a way for him to get open shots and knock down the three-point ball. You know, he was the leader in three-point percentage this year for a reason. The Nets need to find a way to get that going because that's just going to open up the offense to a different element. Yeah, I mean, Joe Harris, you've seen it so many times. When he's on, he can hit any three-point shot that he takes, contested or not, deep or not. Like, he's some – and especially, like, he's pretty good at driving inside and getting to the line at well as well. And that's something that definitely, like, he needs to step up with doing. I like that pick. And this is just kind of like a side note. You mentioned driving inside. I think some of the Nets need to just drive inside and tack the rim. And even if they're bringing two guys with them, it's on Jared Allen or Ed Davis to kind of clean up and get those putbacks, which we saw Jared Allen do. And I'm sure if Ed Davis played more minutes, we would have saw more of that from him. So it's not only like, hey, I'm going to drive. I might miss the layup. That's okay. As long as someone's there to clean it up and kind of get that putback. And that puts more pressure on Philly because they have to react defensively oh, hey, we can't help as much, or then you get the big in the situation where he's kind of caught in between, where he's not sure what he's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's, he's such a big presence inside on the offensive side, and I mean, it's just something the Nets really miss. Now, going in, we talked about it a little bit. If we're going, let's go into game four. Who's your starting lineup? Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, I'm going to go Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, DeMar Carroll, and Jared Allen. I think that is my starting five, but I feel like I'm a little timid making that uh, answer just because I really don't like DeMarc Arrow the four against um, who's ever playing against Tobias Harris, but I, it'll probably end up on Ben Simmons. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's the best five that I can think of right now. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that one. I think that's my, one you have to consider. You know, I know they wouldn't do this, and I thought Jared Allen played well in the last game, but if Embiid's starting, I would even maybe consider uh, breaking. Breaking news, Ed Davis is out for game four. Wow. So I, guess, so I guess he was really banged up um, and didn't play for that reason. That's interesting. I did not expect that. So s- scratch that note about Ed Davis <laughs> starting. Um, well, that really hurts the Nets' chances, to be honest, especially if Joel Embiid plays. And we talked about this going to the season, not having a third center on the roster I thought was really crucial, and they did not add one. And now in this situation, they're going to have to play Jared Allen. And Rondé is probably going to be the backup five. And going against Boban, you know, they'll have some offensive advantages. But defensively, they're kind of screwed. I mean, that's kind of where Jared Dudley really needs to step up because he is someone who kind of likes to go to at the five. Um, and, but Jared Allen is really the guy who needs to step up here. I mean, he got 20 minutes. He's definitely going to get at least 28 to 30, hopefully. Um on, uh, on Saturday, would be huge. I mean, I I would assume Embiid's playing. Like I would just assume, you know, he missed one game. They're gonna play him. 
So it looks like Kenny didn't play Ed Davis yesterday, mainly because of the ankle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one, I guess, way to defend him. Well, don't really feel a ton of confidence now about game four, missing a crucial player like Ed Davis, but Hey, we're still going to go into it and see what happens. And with it back to the starting lineup, I think that's probably what you roll with because you need to have one veteran out there. You can't really, you know, take Damari out of the lineup and start Rodion's because there's just too much pressure on the young guys to be good in a situation where they really aren't that experienced. Yeah. Uh, let's have some fun. Here's a fun question. Um, let's say it's Saturday night. Then that's just one. The Nets won because what happened? They shot really hot from three. Yeah, and, I agree with that. And they played good defense. They didn't play amazing defense. They played good enough. They just pestered them. And I think if, you know, like if we look at yesterday's game and let's see, what did they shoot? Um, eight of 39. So let's just say they shoot like 14 of 39, which I don't even think is a crazy percentage. I'm not a math major, so I'm not getting that off the top of my head. But let's just say they shot 14 of 39. That's six more threes. It's 18 more points. They win the game. So it's just like shooting hot from three. And I don't, like I said, there was some bad looks in there, but there was plenty of looks that they usually knock down. So I think getting three-point shooting going, is going to have a major impact if the Nets want to extend the series, especially with the lack of Ed Davis now. Yeah, and that's where Joe Harris really needs to step up. I mean, he's the guy who, you know, whenever he plays on a national game now, they're going to mention, you know, he led the NBA in three-point percentage. So this is the thing. And he won the uh, three-point shootout, like, this is the thing he's known for, and this is where he really needs to step up and, like, prove that he's that guy, like a Kyle Korver type guy who can just make the threes and you can rely on for um, a bucket outside. Yeah, and he has the ability to kind of give you a stretch on his own where he's just getting hot. So I think that's something they really need to adjust. In terms of defensive strategy, what would you like to see the Nets adjust in terms of game four? I mean, the zone was horrible uh, last night, like we mentioned. Um, I mean, I don't want to completely go away from the zone. I mean, we weren't that great in man either. But, I mean, I'd like to just see a little bit tighter defense, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, more aggressive. You just want to make them yeah. feel your body. Yeah, we need to be tighter. We need to be more aggressive. We need to, like, not let – I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, but we can't let Tobias Harris go 6-6-3. Six six I mean, we need to force him to take more contested shots. We need to force J.J. Redick to not get off to a hot start from three. I mean – like, once Philadelphia got off to that hot start, I mean, we tried to come back, but we just never could complete it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was opportunities in that game. They made runs, but a lot of it goes back to the defense, and you made a great point making them feel you, and that's what you have to do or force them to situations where they're getting contested shots. It's that extra energy, getting extra hand in there. Even if you're not making the play, just stepping into them and making you feel your presence is going to be crucial. And I think they have to consider switching more in a lot of situations. I think it's just going to help them a lot. They're not going to go over as many open shots and just, you know, rely on double teams when you have to just keep the Sixers thinking on the offensive end, what's coming next from the nets and make them have no idea. And that's something we talked about Jack and I, when we did the previews, you want to keep them on their toes because they have to react to the defense, not knowing, Hey, we're going to go down this possession and do what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, just defense, defense, like people, it's a cliche, but it's true. Defense wins championships. And like, if the Nets are going to win another game or another three games in the series, it's going to be because of their defense. It's not going to be because, you know, D'Angelo Russell scores 40 points tomorrow. It's not going to be because, you know, Joe Harris, you know, finally got it going. It's mostly going to be because the Nets really tightened up their D and were able to contain Tobias Harris, J.J. Reddick, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons. 100%. Now, game four predictions, who's going to win? <sighs> you put me in a uh, tough spot here, Nick. That's my you know, job. 
I try not to be biased. I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, with Ed Davis out, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I know you're positive, so hopefully you'll be able to put positive spin on it. But I just don't see how the Nets come out and you know win by any margin tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, you could tell in my voice when you told me the Ed Davis news that it was definitely alarming. Um, I'm going to say the optimistic one on the show and think they can still pull it out. Maybe they, they're due for a really hot game from three, if we're being honest, though. Game two, yeah. bad from three. Game three, bad from three. And some of that's Philly's defense, but a lot of that is just the Nets missing open shots. And I think Kenny's has the opportunity now to make a major adjustment. Like, yeah, and this game is going to show a lot about who Kenny Atkinson is as a coach, you know. It's going to show his ability, you know, will he make major adjustments, you know. Is he willing to go away from a lineup that he started for the last two months, basically? Is he willing to, you know, switch up the defense that he's gone to the last two months? You know, how much is he willing to change? This game is really going to tell a lot about him. And there's no excuse of, hey, we didn't want to play a guy a lot of minutes. Hey, this is pretty much your season's on the line right here. Anybody play, you know, the entire game if they have to play or you got to rest them a couple quarters. These are grade-A athletes. They know what they're doing. So I think it's going to be crucial for Jared Allen not to get in foul trouble, especially with the lack of center. And it's going to be up to the Nets to really get creative with their defensive scheme, not having a backup center in this game. Yeah, I mean, you just can't go – I mean, if you're down 3-1 going back to Philadelphia, I mean, you can just pretty much write it off. Exactly. At that point. So tomorrow is as must-win as it can be, unless it's an elimination game for the Nets. I mean, we've been in must-win games before. The Detroit game that we dominated, the Milwaukee and Indiana games um, a few weeks ago. I mean, we've been in this situation before. Can we do it again? I mean, that's just the big question. It's a big test for a young team, and this is kind of how you build a strong foundation for your culture. Win or lose, it's really a good experience for all the young guys to kind of take that next step and bring it into next year and have a better idea what to expect. And Kenny talked about this. You know, a lot of players players or uh, people in the Nets organization, how the Nets didn't necessarily expect to be in the playoffs this year. So you don't want to use that as like a silver lining, but it definitely is because the growth they've had as a team and as an organization has been huge. Will, any yeah. thoughts before you get out of here? Yeah, and like before every game, Kenny Atkinson, or at least I hear someone mention on Twitter that um, we didn't expect to be here this early. We're way ahead of schedule. I mean, Marks has said it, Kenny said it, I think some of the players have said it. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a shock that we're here. So, I mean, win or lose tomorrow, I mean, just being grateful that we made it and we were like, it's not like we snuck in. You know, we were the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And, I mean, that's something to be proud of. That's something that we can really look forward to as an organization and um, like everyone keeps mentioning, we're playing with house money. So even if we, you know, lose tomorrow, it's not like we're in Philadelphia's shoes where they're pretty much at a must-win point in their franchise. They're also going to have to like, consider some serious changes. Yeah, I mean, if they lost, it was it was almost a must-win game for Philly yesterday because if they win the game four down two one, all the pressure's on them. So that was a big win. But the Nets now has have a lot of pressure on them. And I think if you told me in the beginning of the year, hey, the Nets are going to make the playoffs, I'd be like, all right, well, they'll probably get swept in the first round or maybe win one game. So I think that's where expectations are. It's easy to change expectations after we all saw game one and the Nets expose them in different areas. But as always. Great having you on, Will. Thank you, as always, for everybody listening. Check us out, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.